0: Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast. When this episode drops, I'll be in Kauai, Hawaii. I'm excited about this trip. I haven't been there in over a decade, a long time, and I really haven't birded Hawaii very much at all. And Kauai seems like a great place to get a good feel for a lot of the birds of Hawaii, especially seabirds. I've been to the Kilauea Lighthouse area previously and saw a few birds there. I I know I saw a red-tailed tropic bird, and red-footed booby, and Laison albatross, but I'm hoping to get wedge-tailed shearwater and just get really good looks at a lot of other species there. I'm also hoping to see some of the introduced birds and get a little shore birding in, and maybe even get to uh, one of the places uh, where there's some more native species up a little higher in the in the mountains. We'll see how that all works out, and I'll fill you in when I get back, or maybe even while I'm there, you never know. As an aside... In going to Hawaii, I'll be looking for a lot of introduced species. I have mixed feelings about looking for introduced species. The introduced species I'll be looking for are birds, of course. There are some really beautiful and cool birds that are not native to Hawaii, but have been introduced. And, you know, if I had my preferences, there would be no introduced species in Hawaii. But there are, and a lot of them are well-established there, so I'll see them, and enjoy seeing them, and put them on my Hawaii life list. But the other introduced species that are probably a much bigger, really unarguably a much bigger problem than the introduced bird species are other introduced species. And I'm just going to go through a few of those to give you a little bit of a handle on the issues that come when exotic species are introduced into environments that they did not evolve in. I'll begin with the smallest, and for birds, probably the most important of those species. Of the species is the avian malaria virus. The avian malaria virus probably came to Hawaii in a bird. Most birds throughout the world where avian malaria has been around for years and decades and millennia probably, have evolved strong immunity against avian malaria, and it really doesn't do them a great deal of harm. But on an island like Hawaii, where birds evolve without any exposure to something like avian malaria, this is a huge issue, and it takes a long time for a species to develop through evolution and a relative immunity to something like avian malaria. So when a bird with avian malaria showed up in Hawaii, as long as the vector for that virus, a specific mosquito that came to the islands probably in the 1800s, the mosquito called Culex quincafusciatus, I probably butchered that pronunciation, but it's a specific type of mosquito, and it's the only real vector for the avian malaria virus. Well, once that mosquito became established on the islands, and bit a few birds that had avian malaria. Avian malaria started spreading through all the birds on the island. And it, in relatively short order, just devastated populations of most of the native species on many of the islands of Hawaii, essentially all of the islands of Hawaii. And so the way they figured this out was that the mosquito survives only to certain elevations, certain temperature elevations, Uh, and this particular mosquito can survive in Hawaii to elevations of 3,000, maybe 3,500 feet. So they found that native species of Hawaiian birds were just dying in droves and becoming extirpated from low elevation areas, but were continuing to survive at high elevation areas, which led them to look at what's different between those two areas, those two zones of habitat, and they figured out that the cutex mosquito was uh, able to live in the lower elevations and therefore transmit the uh, avian malaria germ to birds in those areas and kill off those birds, but birds that were able to survive at higher elevations and find habitat at higher elevations survived. So that through shipping transportation and mosquitoes showing up on the ships and becoming established on the islands and birds moving in that were probably introduced and maybe get there naturally, that had the avian malaria virus, getting bitten by the mosquitoes, spread to the native birds, and the cycle, continued. That's probably for birds the number one exotic species on the island is a problem, not the most dramatic one, probably. well, I'm gonna talk about the mongoose next. The mongoose was introduced into sugarcane farms probably around the 1890s in Hawaii, and the idea was that it would control rats. Well, it probably ate a lot of rats, but it ate literally everything else it could get its hands on. Mongoose are extremely avid hunters and killers and decimated populations of land-dwelling birds birds that spend a bit of time on the ground and so they are a huge problem and they're not on Kauai I'm going to Kauai so mongoose populations have not been established on Kauai and there's a lot of uh, a lot of monitoring and uh, careful attention to not letting mongoose get established on Hawaii Hawaii has very good laws to prevent the importation and uh, possible escape and establishing a, as, a, as a viable population lots of different types of exotic animals. Those laws are probably enforced as well as they can be, but tough laws to enforce. Rats, obviously high on the list of any islands uh, introduced species. Rats that have been established got off ships uh, and got off the islands. Uh, rats are big problems for all sorts of ground dwelling birds, especially seabirds, that sort of thing. If the issue of rodents on bird breeding islands is of interest to you, be sure to check out the Bird Banner Podcast episode number 26 with Tim Larson. Tim is an advocate for seabirds, especially on the Farallon Islands off the coast of California. And we talk in depth about the issues with extirpation of house mice on the Farallon Islands. If you think the issues with feral cats is a, is a problem, there are animal rights activists violently opposing the eradication of house mice on the Farallon islands, and that despite very successful efforts to eradicate rodents on other bird brooding islands. But I think that's a really great way to he- learn about that issue. Just check out that podcast. Uh, Uh, Than grazing animals. Grazing animals are habitat destroyers, especially sheep and goats, which really uh, rip the grass right out of the ground and just uh, level uh, the areas where they feed. So farming of sheep and goats is a huge issue on the islands. And I've seen photographs of, or videos of areas where there's a fence, the sheep inside, everything inside, there's just nothing but sheep. It's just eaten right to the ground. Then you come to the fence and then lush beautiful native habitat a foot outside the fence with all sorts of wildlife Uh, so that's a big thing but in my opinion probably the most dramatic of the introduced species is the kitty cat the house cat house cats really are not uh, wild anywhere in the world they've been domesticated for probably 9,000 years and have followed uh, the roman empire and other invaders throughout all of the world and now the whole world has uh, the domestic house cat and domestic house cats are cute little pets and belong inside and are great when they're kept inside. But a lot of cats are not kept inside and a lot of people get cats and decide they don't want them or don't get their cats spayed and the cat has a litter of kittens and nobody wants as many kittens as can be born. Cats can have at least two litters a year, up to six or eight cat, kittens in a litter. So you need deep in cats before you know it. And so a lot of cats, rather than Uh, be euthanized or found a home for are simply let go. And feral cat populations are huge issues throughout essentially the whole world, and uh, it's very emotional. Kitty cats are cute, people love their cats, uh, and so there are all sorts of uh, societies and powerful lobby interest groups that feed and take care of feral cat colonies. Pretty much every city has groups of people who feed and take care of feral cats, and they preach uh, an unproven and not effective technique of trap, neuter, and release, or trap, neuter, and return, TNR, where they set traps for the cats, they spay and neuter uh, the cats that are fertile, and re-release them. Uh, which, you know, obviously ends the reproductive life of that individual, but it's estimated you have to have over 90% of the cats in a colony neutered in order to begin to see the population reduced, and no cat TNR programs are anyways near that successful. So basically this program may slow the growth of cat colonies, but doesn't reduce the size of cat colonies or get rid of cat colonies. Uh, and uh, there's huge lobby interest. The big money uh, behind the TNR programs, guess who they are? Ralston Purina, Petco, uh, other uh special interest groups that love to sell cat food and cat toys and all sorts of cat stuff uh, and have set up not-for-profits that give them a tax break and further their business interests. So there's a huge lobby for this. Uh, Countries like Australia that have taken the issue seriously and basically kill feral cats uh, are having good success, and there are lots of islands where cats have been extirpated and Good rebounds in, in the bird populations in those islands have been successful, but that's not happening uh, really anywhere in America because it's just politically untenable to extirpate uh, feral cats because of the powerful and fanatic lobby of uh, cat lovers. So that's a big issue. But in Hawaii, it's a super huge issue because many of the native seabirds especially uh, are are ton, uh, burrow. Breeders, they breed and have their young in burrows they dig into the ground. Well, cats love this. Uh, A small percentage of cats become essentially specialists in seabird colony food, and and they learn where the cat, uh, where the seabird colonies are. They go at night. They climb into the burrow. They kill the chicks. They kill the adults, and they borrow the burrow to have their own litter. And and so they make double use. They kill. kill the uh, burrowing species and use the burrows as a, as a place to, to have their litter, uh, and uh, are huge issues with seabird colonies. Uh, it's been very, very difficult to deal with this. Jerry and Clarice Clark uh, gave a program to my ABC Birding Club where they uh, worked on, with a group trying to protect seabirds, and basically what they had to do is fence off with a cat-impermeable fence a uh, um, small area that they then relocate breeding seabirds inside the fence so that they have to capture the breeding seabirds, build them artificial tunnel, move them into this tunnel with their eggs and hope that they'll stay there and uh, try to get the, the young raised inside the, the fenced area uh, so that they will uh, survive long enough to, to grow up and get to sea. Just a uh, really non-sustainable long-term solution but uh, the best they can do because you know they're basically photos of the cats just stalking the outside of the fence area and in the natural breeding area for these birds and it, it's a gigantic issue huge waste of uh, uh, time money and effort when simply extirpating the cats in my opinion would be a much more long-term and viable approach but politically untenable. Uh, So that's my little rant on invasive species in Hawaii. I'm going to go look at some. (laughs) Hypocrite that I am. Anyway, so I'm excited about my trip to Hawaii, and thought I would get off on a little, little discussion of Exotic species in Hawaii. One good thing, there are no snakes in Hawaii. No snakes are native to the islands, and uh, snakes have not become established as a, an exotic species on any of the islands. Uh, the brown snakes in Guam, I don't know if you've seen any videos or heard about the brown snake issue in Guam. There are brown snakes just, uh, you know, all over the island of Guam, which fed huge, huge issues on breeding bird populations. These, these snakes can climb trees, they eat eggs, they eat the young of birds. They're just extremely voracious predators of breeding birds. And thankfully, Hawaii has been very diligent about keeping brown snakes and other snakes out of the islands. And uh, so that's good news. So far, so good on keeping snakes out of Hawaii. I'm, I'm not a big snake fan, so I'm happy about that, too. For lots of reasons uh, but i'm excited about that trip should be a lot of fun uh, don't know quite what to expect i, I don't know how hard it's going to be to find birds yet but we'll find out can't be too bad with the sun shines hopefully sunshine doesn't rain we'll see i've only been to hawaii one a couple of other times and one time when i was there it seemed like it rained the entire time it was just terrible uh, but this time i'm praying for good weather we're going to see how it goes and find a few birds, have a little time. Uh, I'm uh, treating myself. I'm, I was going anyway, but I'm treating myself, especially because this week I took my for the last time. Probably I'm 65 now, so probably took my family practice board exams, uh, board certification exam for the last time this morning. Uh, so I got that out of the way, and that was pretty cool. I uh, felt like I still got it, still have it. I. Felt like I knew a lot of answers, so I'm pretty confident I passed, and that'll be in the rearview mirror. Uh, I have been out birding a bit this last week. Uh, got down to Billy Frank uh, Nisqually National Wildlife Refuge, uh, looking for a tailed sandpiper. Did not find that. The week before, I had a, a, a pectoral sandpiper there, though, and it was pretty good birding. Also got a new county bird in Thurston County. Uh, got a canvas back uh, out on the capital... Uh, Lake, I think it's called Capital Lake, right there downtown, and had a great vegan meal there. It was a really nice little restaurant. We're walking distance from there. We stopped That It was very nice, uh, but found the canvas back, and the kind of funny story about the canvas back is while I was sitting in the squally, I hiked out as far as you can go. The, there's some construction on the uh, boardwalk there, and you can't get out on the boardwalk, but at the end of the path, out, out on the dike path, uh, I, I uh, found some birds. Actually some other birders pointed out some birds really at the at the far end of what you could identify a bird at way out by the mouth of the creek there and uh, looked at it and finally got enough heat waves to go away and there were canvas backs i like, gosh that's cool to get canvas backs out there and i got the other birders on it we all kind of agreed there were canvas backs it was one other goofy looking waterfowl about the size of the canvas backs and kind of looked like an emperor goose but it couldn't be an emperor goose out there we struggled over it until one of the other birders came over says Oh, those are decoys. We saw the hunters put those out there a little earlier, so we spent 15 minutes identifying decoys in the mouth of the uh, McAllister Creek, way out oh, a mile and a half away. So that was kind of we got a good laugh about that. Did not find the northern shrike that other people were seeing there. Spent some time looking for that, but had a beautiful day. It was just a gorgeous day to be out. Such a nice place. Nisqually is uh, just a top birding area in Washington, and especially Western Washington. It's one of the l- little uh, tiny remnant of remaining uh, estuary sort of habitat uh, in the Puget Sound. So that was pretty nice. Got out there and then uh, took my exams and then came home from that in time to talk with my guest today. My guest for this episode is Isaiah Nugent. Isaiah is a young birder from Bellingham and he is doing a big year this year. He's doing a really nice big year so I think he's over 325 maybe 326 species for the year now which is a really nice year in Washington State all the time going to school full-time as a senior in high school uh, and is having a really good year of it he's a a blossoming young birder in the state it was really nice to talk to him today and we just had a brief talk and I hope you enjoy that so welcome to the podcast Isaiah Nugent. Isaiah welcome to the bird banner podcast thanks for coming on with me today
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I appreciate it. I say, you're putting up a big year in Washington this year. It's uh, impressive.
1: Yeah, I'm doing a big year for Washington this year.
0: Yeah, you're really getting around.
1: Is that something
0: you you planned to do before the start of the year, or did you stumble into that?
1: Yeah, I was planning to do it at the start of the year. So just trying to get a good year list at the start.
0: Good. What sort of strategy have you used? How did you get going on that?
1: Um, like mainly you looking for boos that are harder to find and like, uh, chasing rare boots.
0: Sure. Like, yeah. uh, so, so getting the hard ones out of the way first and yeah. chasing, chasing eBird eBird listings yep. and tweet, tweeters listings and things like yep. that. Good. Well, you've got a 325. It looked like I just looked at your eBird list. So you're putting up a big year.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: that's impressive. Yeah, that's definitely. impressive. Uh, you're one, one behind, uh, uh, one behind Blair Burns and that's uh Yeah, actually tied many- with him
1: now. I just got one oh, more yesterday.
0: Oh you did? What was your next one? What was your last one?
1: Bohemian waxwing.
0: Bo- oh, was that at Nia Bay also? Yeah it was. I, I saw some people had it down there. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Good for you. That's yeah, a tough bird. You. They were not last last winter they were not around. I, I uh I was up in the Okanagan and at various places and they were not they were not to be had. So
1: Yeah, there seemed and to I, be some showing up this this year, yeah, quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Nice, nice to pick it up this winter instead of last winter. Good for you, good for you. Uh, where, what sort of places have you traveled to? It takes a lot of travel in Washington. This is a big state. What, what sort of uh, strategy did you, did you get up to the Northeast a lot in the winter last year, or how did you get going?
1: i um, like mainly just pretty much all over. Um, like I made one trip this summer to like the southeast, like Walla Walla County, to get a few of those boots. And I done did a pelagic trip which really helped and yeah this last Nea Bay you know, last last trip to Nea Bay helped and a couple trips to the coast to get some of the ho-do boots very to nice. get yeah.
0: very nice. I saw that you stopped at uh, Whidbey Island on the way down. I hadn't really thought you live in Bellingham, don't you? Yeah I hadn't really thought about how do you get to Nia Bay from Bellingham you probably came across Deception Pass and down Whidbey and then across the ferry on the bottom yeah yeah exactly. Never, never would have thought of that. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Sounds like the best way to do it. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. That ferry, does that ferry run a lot?
1: Uh, about, yeah. Every, every like, hour about, yeah.
0: Oh, so it's pretty, it's, it must be, it looks like a short ride. Like it's not too yeah, far. Yeah, about half an hour. What to Townsend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not too far. And uh, never know what you'll pick up when you get out on the water too. Yeah. Where, how did Niabaga this last weekend? What's, uh, did you see the uh, Eurasian Tree Sparrow? Uh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, the, there's been
1: some debate on that whether oh, it's yeah. countable. So yeah,
0: I don't think the railroads committee will accept it, but it's uh, still yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, pretty pretty cool bird.
1: Yeah, yeah. and um, also was a a very surprising bird. It was a Swainson's hawk that I got in the Watch Valley.
0: Oh wow! I saw somebody yeah. got that. That was you. Oh my yeah. goodness! That yeah. it's really really late for that.
1: Yeah, they shouldn't be in North America. Mm. It was a huge surprise to see that.
0: No. Did other people see that, or were you the only one?
1: Uh, no, I was just there, and it just flew over quickly, just for wow. a few minutes, and it's just kept flying cool. south.
0: Yeah, I bet it did. It's got a long ways to go. Oh, yeah. The yeah. the the million the millions a week were passing through Veracruz a month ago, so it yeah. was way behind. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, but like you never know what can show up in the Bay, so...
0: Yeah, if a, if a zone tail hawk can show up this time of year, certainly yeah. a Swainson's can. Yeah. So that's great. Uh, so... How did you get started in birding, Isaiah? You're you're a young guy. how did How did how did you come to be a birder?
1: Well, I've just kind of like always been into nature, and just kind of like shifted toward booting. Like, um, I had feeders in my yard, and I always saw boots coming to them. I wanted to know what they were, so I got like field guides, and that just like got me hooked.
0: Okay, so how many years have you been birding? Would you say what age did you get you know serious? Um, I birding? started
1: at like age nine, so okay. yeah, about eight or nine years I've been birding.
0: So pretty young start. That's yeah. That's how you get nobody ever catches up with the guys who start young. The the birders who start when they're a kid, they just a leg up on anyone that doesn't start till they're an adult. Somehow yeah. you think you can learn better when you're young. Yeah, that helped. Have you had do, do you have family members who are mentors or have you uh, hooked up with local birders?
1: Um yeah, actually my dad, he's also like was a, has been like a booter most of his life and been into oh, boots. Okay. And he like Very kinda cool. helped me get into boots.
0: That helps a lot. That helps a lot. Yeah. Are, there other, are there other Whatcom County birders that you've uh, gotten out a lot with when you were younger?
1: Um. Yeah, I booted with uh, like, um, Phil Wegener. He's one of the main booters in Whatcom. And I booted with him in mm-hmm. my early booting years.
0: Uh huh. Do you travel? Yeah, you, you're probably driving now, I'm old enough to drive. and So you're probably uh, yeah, uh, be, getting, yeah. ar- getting around on your own quite a bit now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but before you used to just be like my, me and my dad would like, go on trips. But now I'm driving myself Sure. quite a bit.
0: Very good. Are you going to graduate this year, or are you, are you still yeah, in high school? Or are you?
1: Yeah, this is my uh-huh. my, a senior year in high school.
0: Very nice. Uh, that's a it'll be a memorable senior year. Putting up a big year in Washington, that's cool. Yeah. So, what have been your uh, most surpri- uh, probably the Swainson's hawk? But what have been your most uh, sort of surprising bonus birds you've gotten this year? You've gotten around a lot. Did you come across birds you didn't expect, or mostly found birds where where they were expected to be found?
1: I guess one that I was hoping I was getting was the curio and Flycatcher and uh Walla Walla. That was a good one. Um
0: Yes. Oh good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then um yeah, just chasing acing a rare booze around.
0: Very cool. Uh, so what are your plans for next year, Isaiah? Do you plan? are you uh, gonna go on to more school or do you have other plans? Yeah, I'm
1: planning on going to college. I'm thinking probably UW. That's
0: okay. UW Seattle? Yeah cool so yeah. there'll be uh lots of birders around there
1: yeah the, there's the, some birders there I
0: know. yeah for sure uh montlake phil uh yeah. and uh, dave Slager. dave Slager, i think works there so he'll be around yeah. uh and of course there's just yeah all sorts of birders at The you good for you mm-hmm. uh, i think all you have to do is go out to the phil uh any morning and you'll probably see a lot of them yeah it <laughs> won't, won't be hard to get connected in that community yeah have you gotten around the country much as a birder other than in Washington?
1: Uh yeah, I have. I've been to uh, California, Arizona, and uh, Florida and New Jersey. So yeah, I've been around oh, quite a so bit.
0: Some of the hot spots. Good yeah. for you. Did you go to Cape May? Or did you go somewhere? Yeah, I other, did. Where else? Oh, spring or fall? In spring. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh Cape May a little more famous in fall, but I heard it's great in the spring too.
1: Yeah, and also um, McGee Mosh in Ohio. That was one of the most amazing places I've, been. I've yeah, been. I have, I have,
0: I have not been there other than just a, a walk by when I drove across the country once, not in the spring, just to see what it was like. But I've heard that's a fabulous. I've been to Point Pelee on the other side of uh, oh, yeah. on the other, other side of the lake, uh, so somewhat similar, I guess. But I think a different experience. Uh, so when did you go to uh, McGee Marsh?
1: It was in spring in uh, May. Early May. Oh,
0: was it this year?
1: Uh, no, it was two years ago.
0: Two years ago. Okay. Did yeah. you go with your dad or go with the yeah, birders? Yeah, I did. I did. Very cool. my dad. So your dad must be pretty proud of you being such a hotshot yeah. young birder. That's cool. Yeah. What What if that? What of all the places you've traveled to, bird? What would you say are your favorites? What are some of your best, uh, most memorable places?
1: Um, definitely McGee Marsh and um, probably Southeast Arizona has a lot of cool boots there.
0: It does. It is. Southeast Arizona is you know, kind of Mecca for birders, I think, in this country. Uh, uh, everybody goes there. It's just spectacular. Very nice. Have you, have you been to many birding festivals, or have you mostly just gone independently?
1: Um, Mostly just independently. There is one birding festival in Blaine, which is near me, that you go to usually every year.
0: So in college are you planning to study uh biology or ornithology or are you just going to keep it as a hobby and study something else?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to keep it as a hobby. I'm planning on studying engineering. Not sure what really yet.
0: Yeah. So more hardcore math and science stuff? Yep. That'll that'll keep your mind sharp for sure. So other than birding, do you have any other hobbies or uh passions that you follow?
1: Um I guess just like nature in general. Mm. Like oh, I guess
0: and uh yeah, uh, do you do you keep your lists of other things too, or just mostly bird lists?
1: Uh, no, I have other lists, like um, different lists, um, like mammals and uh, different types of bugs.
0: Uh huh. There's there's an yeah. app for all those things. What well, I can't remember what that what that's called um, is it uh, iNaturalist I, I nature iNaturalist iNaturalist right. yeah. yeah, I use that a I lot. Have no, that's, I have not not yeah. started using that very much. Do you yeah. communicate much online with other uh, young birders in the state?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. There's different like online chat groups where different young birders communicate and like sometimes plan trips to go mm-hmm. birding together.
0: Very cool. Uh, so, uh, are there any sort of public ones? Do you, I know there's Western Washington birders? I look for a young Washington birders, and there's there's a Facebook group, but hasn't been used in years, so didn't. Look yeah, like it hasn't been was, used in a while. Didn't look like that was uh, an active group. Are there any uh, that you want to share with other young birders? Places they can look up other young birders in the state.
1: Um, yeah, there's this one chat group on uh, Google Hangouts. And okay. I feel like you just give the, me the email. I can just invite you there.
0: Okay. Uh, if it's okay, I'll uh, I'll leave your... Well, I'll, I'll probably leave your uh, eBird contact and I think your email's on there. I hate to just put emails out on the internet and you get spammed. But I think that's a, that's a way I can let people know your eBird address so without okay. shouting it out to the world for you to get spammed with. Uh, but uh, that'll be good. So listeners, you okay. can... Get a hold of Isaiah, and he'll hook you up with the Young Birders chat rooms and uh, places to communicate about birding in Washington. So, check it out. Are there are there people uh, you mentioned uh, one Whatcom County birder? Are there other people have been really influential in your uh, learning and development as a birder?
1: Um, yeah, I guess just like other local Whatcom birders have like mm-hmm. helped me. Okay. Like learning all the local birds in Whatcom. Right. Hel- helped me become a better birder.
0: I got out. I was up there, I have a friend, Ron, Barr, Ron and Linda Barr live in, uh, in, in Bellingham, and uh, when I was visiting them not too long ago, I went out on the Lumi Flats, what a wonderful place. I, oh yeah, like, that's
1: a great place.
0: Like a miniature uh, Samish Flats, <laughs> kind of, same sort of habitat, and uh, really, I, I got lots of good things there, You're a rough-legged hawk, and I think a couple of falcons, It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's a great spot.
0: What are some of your favorite walkcom spots, where do you get out to up there?
1: Um, Lummy Flats is one of my favorite ones, and uh, Sandy Point is a good one.
0: Is that Sandy Point? Is that around to Point Roberts? Do you have to go through Canada to get there? Uh no, no, That's, no, that's like just for, yeah. It's right near Lummy Flats. Okay, yeah. that's a different one. Okay, I get, yeah. I get confused up there.
1: There's also this one place um in Bellingham called Connolly Creek Trail, and it's like right next to my school. So I go there when so I was doing my lunch break and boot there like almost every day.
0: Very nice. And uh, found some
1: okay. pretty good stuff there.
0: Is that kind of a riparian area, it sounds like?
1: Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's got this, like, one field with, like, bushes at the edge. We get some good boots. Okay, S- some good forest. edge habitat. Yeah.
0: Is, that's uh, one of your patches, I assume? Yeah. So uh, do you use social media much at all? Are there ways people can communicate with you on social media?
1: Uh, yeah, I use Instagram and Facebook.
0: Okay. Uh, I'll make sure that I uh, put your uh, contact uh, information on uh, in the podcast notes for both those things. Okay. Uh, are there, are there, uh, is there any advice, you know, things you can uh, pass along to other birders, especially the other young birders that, uh, of, uh, you know, things that, that, uh, tips you've learned along the way or things, things that you can, uh, you know, pass along to them.
1: Well, I guess just like, uh, there's like a lot to learn, like from the people who have been birding longest, I guess.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like learning from.
0: Just because we're old, we're not idiots. Yeah. What what apps do you use? Do you have a favorite phone app that you use for your you know bird guide?
1: Uh yeah, I use the Sibley app. That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah,
0: that I think that's yeah. kind of the standby these days. National Geographic yeah. and i i iBird Pro were kind of before that, but Sibley I think has usurped them yeah. all with the become the the go to place.
1: Yeah, and also just like the physical Sibley boot book is helpful because it like shows yeah. birds side by side.
0: It does. It's very good. Yeah. 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 I, I like Big Sibley. The the Western one is better to carry around, but I, I guess I huck around Big Sibley, <laughs> what yeah. I call Big Sibley, the, the one for the whole country. I think it's really just a spectacular resource. Yeah, it is. So Isaiah, uh, after, do you have, a, you said you're thinking of studying engineering. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any kind of career plans or is that way too soon to even think about that?
1: Uh, no, I'm not really sure yet what I'm going to do.
0: Isaiah, uh thanks so much for being on with me today. I appreciate it. Uh, okay. I'm hoping to catch up with you in the field sometime. I feel like, uh, I don't know why we haven't met. I don't think we have. And it seems like uh, yeah, you're, you're around and I'm around. We'll bump into each other yeah, one well, day we... soon, yeah. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, probably at yeah. some rarity so, spot. We'll you know, see each other. Yeah,
0: pro- probably uh, we'll follow the spotting scope sign someday. Uh, all the scopes pointing in the same direction are always a good sign when you get to a rarity yeah. spot. Good. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks again for being on with me, Isaiah. I appreciate it so much. You have a great day, and best of luck okay. with everything. Yeah, well, thank Take you for care. having me. Okay, Bye. bye-bye. Well, help me say thanks to Isaiah for being on the podcast today. I'll make sure I leave in the podcast notes which ways you can t- reach out to him if you're interested in touching bases. Uh, and stay tuned. I'm hoping I put up a couple of... Uh, on-location podcast episodes, brief episodes from Hawaii next week. I did that when I went to Morocco, and that worked out pretty well, so maybe it'll be a few episodes from Hawaii too. Until then, aloha and good birding, good day.